The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Um, just a little side, I want to make a couple announcements here to start or add to what, what Jim already said. Uh, I was watching a football game yesterday. First time that I really got into a football game. I watched the last hour of the Texas-Texas Tech, Tech game. It was really pretty good. Anybody see that? Three-minute comeback in overtime. It was pretty exciting. Uh, but the announcer, I was sitting there with my sermon notes, kind of looking at that, and the announcer made the statement. Wait, I wrote it down. He said, if you think more than a week in advance right now, you're wasting your brain cells. And I thought, uh, if you think more than a week in advance, you're wasting your brain cells. I thought it was pretty fitting, maybe a little bit of an exaggeration on the time. But I wanted to use that just to say that uh, we are kind of planning everything gradually right now. And uh, so I wanted to mention a few things that people have asked about. Uh, one of them is, are we doing any type of trunk or treat? Well, at this point, we, we hope to. Uh, we would love to. But we kind of have to say at this point, you know, obviously, if the village of Edwardsburg says that you, uh, you know, they're not doing anything, we would not go against that and say, wait a minute, my First Amendment right to pass out candy. And, uh, and people rot at my teeth. I'm going to rot the next generation's teeth. I probably wouldn't put up a big stink, stink about that. We would probably, uh, however, uh, we also, uh, people have asked about release time. We are not going to be able to do release time this year. And that's kind of an understandable thing the schools have told us. Uh, so I, I'd appreciate you praying about that because we want that to be something that we can come back and do again. So uh, if you just pray about that, that that will not be a uh, curtain call for release time, that we'll be able to do that again next year during the next school year. And then upward. Um, upward, uh, again, we hope to have something in place. If you have ever been here for an upward Saturday, you know that social distancing and an upward Saturday here are pretty much impossible. Uh, we are, we, that is the most packed out little section of North America right over there on Saturday morning. So, uh, and we've also already found out that some of our other facilities would not be available. So we'll probably have a toned down version or something like that but again we're kind of announcing when when we're closer to and ready to go does that make sense okay all right we way back many moons ago bc not before jesus but before covid uh we started a series in the book of acts and uh i don't want you to applaud or anything but i'm pretty proud of myself this is the longest that i've ever stayed with a series i'm pretty pumped about it I said, no, you don't have to applaud, you know, uh, but, uh, but I'm pretty pumped I stay with it. And it's not, uh, now I'm going to step on the gas a little bit today. We're going to do two chapters. We're going to do uh, Acts 25 and 26, not because I'm in a hurry to get done. I'm still having a good time. But if you, when you get into this section of the book of Acts, it's kind of like, okay, wait, is this the same story we looked at last week? Because what is happening is Paul's in jail. Uh, the leadership is corrupt. They don't know what to do with him because the, the, his Jewish enemies want him prosecuted and the leaders are like, what's he done? He hasn't really done anything. And Paul keeps giving a chance to share his testimony and share the word. And he's waiting in jail and they're corrupt and the same thing keeps happening over and over again. So we're going to speed it up a little bit. Last week, we looked at his trial before a guy by the name of Felix, you might remember. This week, the main character, I guess, in there is a guy by the name of Festus. So, last week, we read the whole chapter 24. We are not going to read all 25 and 26. We're going to skip through that a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, I, uh, I just I wanted to mention just some things that we have been seeing in the life and times that Paul was living in the, in the time of the New Testament church. Okay, uh, you might remember, you know, at different places he went, uh, the rioting 
going on, you know, and the, the turmoil and the chaos there. Uh, you might uh, remember that uh, there, is, especially at Corinth, there was a great deal of perversion going on, just the you know, wicked land, you know, especially we saw that in Corinth, far beyond, I think, anything that we're familiar with today. But throughout the land, there was, there was perversion, there was uh, just chaos, there was disorder. There is a great deal, and we'll see this in the passage we look at today, too, of lawlessness. It's just, remember, the Roman form of government was a republic, which actually uh, is a rule by law. And the idea, but, it, but they just didn't keep the laws. And Paul kind of pointed that out several times. Wait a minute, even your own laws say this, <laughs> but you're not doing it, you're not keeping it. So there was a lawlessness that permeated, and there was definitely, oh man, corruption in leadership. Okay, beyond, again, anything, uh, I think anything that we can even comprehend or relate to. You say, oh no, I can relate. No, um, when, when you look at the lives of some of these leaders, these Caesars and everything like that, and at this point, the guy who's taken over in Rome is a guy by the name of Nero. Some of you remember enough of history to know that any of history records this guy as a whack, total whack job. In fact, he's the whack job of all whack jobs. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's the fiddler while Rome burned is what they always said. I mean, he's, he's the total nutcase here. And these other leaders, in fact, we're going to read today about Festus, and they always say Festus and Bernice. The two of them are always together, and I won't go into great detail here, but uh, brother and sister that were always together in uh, history tells us not the, yeah, anyway, it, it's just corrupt. And you might look at that. I do. And even as I'm going through those characteristics, you might say, okay, was that back then, or are you describing today? Um, and, you know, when you look at some of the, the chaos in the world, when you look at uh, the perversion, we, we had uh, uh, this thing came up and it said it, the, the song that was number one when you turn 14 is the song that kind of describes your life. Now, I'm simple-minded, and that caught my attention. I thought, well, I want to find out what the song was when I turn 14. It's really kind of embarrassing. It was The Way We Were by Barbara Streisand. Yeah, it's kind of like, that's my life. I don't even know what that means. My wife got uh, Silly Love Songs. You remember that? Silly Love Songs. <laughs> say it isn't so. Okay, anyway, uh, I like that. Now, I just want to say, as I, you know, as you type in your computer, what's the number one song? Before I got to the date, they come up and they start answering questions and see where you're going. I found out what the number one song is today. I'm not even going there. <laughs> it is, it's, it's nasty. I'm, I'm just saying, I wouldn't even repeat it. I mean, when we talked about the culture of the time, I was kind of like, okay, really? I feel sorry. Anybody turning 14 this week? Your life is really in bad shape. I gotta, you are? Uh, but, uh, you, you know, you're, uh, I'm just saying that's a little scary. But, you know, I looked at that. I looked at, you know, the idea. Our government actually, in a lot of ways, the republic was patterned after the Roman Republic, and it is the idea of rule by law, but sometimes the disregard for law. And, you know, and the corruption that you see throughout leadership, you look at that and you say, oh, man, <laughs> where are we? Now, I don't want to downplay it, but I do want you to think about a couple things, okay? This is the first century A.D., okay? We got, does anybody remember from your history about when Rome fell? It's in the fifth century, okay? Now, I'm not downplaying. I'm just saying sometimes we get where, oh, no, the end of the world is coming, Okay? And, and we kind of freak out. One of our elders likes to say, we, we, we would use the expression, now is not the time to panic. And he'd say, well, that's a terrible phrase because there's never a good time to panic. And he's right. Uh, but uh, when we look at a situation, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, no, the world's going to end. And I think we need to just realize 
If it does, there's a better one coming. <laughs> uh, you know, to keep from freaking out and totally go crazy there. And I think we also need to look and see, in, as we're studying through the life of the Apostle Paul, what he does during this time. And primarily, what he is doing is he is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's look at how this happened, how this played out, how he decided that during the the times he was going through, he would seize the opportunity that he had to share Christ. And as we look through, kind of skim through these two chapters, we're going to see a couple of things that the world without Jesus does not need, and we'll see a couple of things that they most definitely do need. Okay, are you ready? Those of you that have been around, you'll understand the significance of this. I bought a new clicker this week. Yeah. Are you ready? Oh, you're kidding me. Oh, red, red, green. I got it. I got it. Okay, you ready? Not that it's a personal problem. Oh, that was a beautiful thing. Um, there, there we go. Okay, anyway, cha chapter uh, 25, verse number 18 is where I'm going to start here. It says, when the accusers uh, stood up, I'm sorry, this is, uh, this is this Festus talking, and he's actually talking to another leader by the name of Agrippa. By the way, I mentioned corrupt leadership. You get into the Agrippas, you know, you got the guy that killed all the babies at Jesus' time. You got the guy who had John Baptist beheaded. Lovely group. Uh, okay, so anyway... Felix is talking to him, and he's, he's kind of explaining, I had this guy in jail. I don't know what to do with him. When his accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case as such as evils that I supposed. I figured this guy must have really done something bad. I don't even get it. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain <laughs> Jesus, okay, about this guy named Jesus who was dead, and uh, apparently now he's not alive again, uh, but whom Paul said is alive. So that's what they're fighting about. So Festus is looking at Agrippa and he's saying, I don't even understand. Okay, I don't even understand. If we could take just a minute here and realize that a lost world just gets this when... Uh, oh, well, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Okay, uh, just gets this when there is uh, fighting amongst... Uh, religious people, if you want to say it like that, because I know not all these people were Christians, but at the same time, when the religious community is scrapping, when they're fighting, I just want you to understand the lost world does not understand that, okay? They're like, okay, I don't, I don't really get it. I mean, he, you know, actually the phrase I just passed by, he said, uh, I, I didn't understand. I asked uh, what he wanted to do. I don't, I don't know what to do. I was confused by this whole thing. This threw me off here. I said, being at a loss, that was the phrase, being at a loss. He, he didn't get it. When religious people fight, we don't, they don't really understand. Now, with that, I understand that there are some things, there's no other way to say this, there are some things that you have to fight about. I mean, and maybe fight's not even the right word, but you have to state that, hey, that's wrong. Okay? Obviously, this group is saying that Jesus is not God's son. Okay, yeah, Jesus is God's son. Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. Without that, we got nothing. Okay, there are going to be plenty of things that are well worth us fighting about. So I think it is very important that we don't magnify the small things because a lost world is going to look at the church and say, wait a minute, you guys can't get along about anything. Okay, well, all, all it is going to result in is confusion. When I was a young Christian uh, as a teenager, I had a friend lived three doors up the street. His name was Lenny, still remember him. And uh, the... Uh, the youth group encouraged me to be a witness to Lenny, and I was trying to get him to come visit church. We had these Word of Life clubs, and he'd come to one of those with me. I was trying to get him to come. One day, Lenny, after a long time, came down to my house, and he says, hey, his exact words, he says, I wanted to tell you I got saved. So I trusted Jesus. 
And I, and, and I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, I went to this church, and he named a different church that had some different views of ours. Okay? And he said, I went there with my cousin, and I got saved. And you know what I said? In all my stupidity and foolishness of the time, I said, well, here's what they believe that's wrong. <laughs> I know. I was a kid. Give me a break. Uh, but I wanted to tell him what they thought, what, you know, where their thinking wasn't quite right. That really helped Lenny. Okay, no, that did not help Lenny at all. And I think, you know, again, I'm not saying there aren't things worth battling about, but I do think this is a time when we need to be ultra careful to make sure that we're, that we're choosing our battles and we're not fighting about things we don't need to fight about. I, Monday morning, Monday morning, and I'm not kidding, I thank the Lord for you all. I, I did, and, and I thank you several, several times throughout the week. I thank the Lord for you all because I heard about some things that other pastors are facing. And I just said, Lord, thank you for our congregation. I, I so much appreciate their kindness and their graciousness and their patience and everything like that. Uh, I heard a story of a church, very small church. I'm talking 25 people. Uh, there was a fellow that came in, and uh, he was sitting on the front row. And he had been very upset that another lady that was coming, this is a very small congregation, very elderly con congregation. Everybody was wearing their mask, but this lady did not wear a mask. She wore a shield because she had a little hard time breathing with that. Well, this guy looks around during church. He's in the front row. He looks around, sees his shield, gets so mad he storms out. I'm thinking, the poor pastor, he's up there just trying to teach the Word of God. This guy's storming out about this. Then he hung around in the parking lots and came up so he, could, so he could talk to this lady afterwards and make a scene. And I thought, I am really thankful uh, for you all. I, I really am. I also, uh, another story of a mega church where uh, the, the guy said he's had a, a group of people that have been so upset about some of the procedures. You know, I've said this before, so many things people are feeling their way along and they're not sure exactly how to do things and you look and you say that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen and sometimes they'll say the exact same thing I, I don't think I'm talking out of school to say this you know even in the training at school that we went through at Edwardsburg they said now we understand this doesn't seem to make a lot of sense but we're doing what we can you walk into a restaurant and you don't understand one of their policies well they're doing what they can to stay open you know, and so this church was doing something what they could to stay open and a group of people said well that's so stupid you know, and I thought, okay, again, how about a little grace, about a little extra grace? And, and, and uh, yeah, I wanted to say, hey, we got another six weeks or whatever it is till the election. But let's be honest, we got a long way <laughs> to, to go. I don't know exactly where that we need to exercise extra grace, extra kindness, make sure. Because when a lost world looks and sees Christians bickering about things, they don't understand. They don't, they don't understand. And, again, I, I didn't say there's never a time to take a stand. I didn't say that. Okay, but what I said is we, we, we want to be careful because, because that, that's not really uh, helping our ability to share Jesus in that way. Okay, let's go on. I want to show you another thing they don't need besides confusion. On the next day, Agrippa and Bernice, by the way, that's the two I mentioned, and it's always the two of them. You know, when it's time for the judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be not going to be Agrippa and then Bernice. They're going to go together, I'm pretty sure, because uh, in the Bible, they're always together. And, and then they came with, and I love this word, great pomp. Okay, you know what pomp is? I know, bottom of your orange juice. No, that's something different. Okay. Uh, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city, and then all the command of Festus, and Paul was brought in. Now, I want to describe the, the, uh, the differing, the contrast between Paul and uh, Festus and Bernice here. But, the, but they come in and, uh, with great pomp. Now, what you can visualize here is hours of makeup and hair for both of them. Okay? We got, and, and seriously, in that time, it would have been both of them. 
I mean, they are done up to the hilt. They have the finest robes on. The trumpets are playing, and they're coming in with all the ceremony, and, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, recognize them and their beauty. And then came Paul. Okay, now, I'm going to get to Paul in a second here, but let's realize that a second thing, I just, I had to put that word up there just because it's fun. Uh, second thing that the, the world doesn't need to see is a lot of pomp. <laughs> I'm saying that weird, aren't I? Pomp. Pomp. Pomp, sorry, extra uh, consonant jumped in there. Okay, uh, but uh, the, the world does not need to see that. Now listen, I don't know hearts, and I'm not judging anybody in particular in saying this, but I do want to say that Christianity in general needs to be careful that we are not all about show and personality, that, because there is a tendency to do that. Now you say, are you saying that you think this church, church is based on your personality? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just funny to think about. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I realize we'd all have some serious problems. And I'm not really suggesting, but I am suggesting that a lot of the church is drawn to personalities. And sometimes that's what it's built on, is per personality, the charisma that the leader has, or the show that somebody can put on. And it's kind of a dangerous position there because that's not really ultimately what people are looking for. Now, listen, if, if there was a celebrity, you know, let's say Tim, Tab Tim Tebow called me up and said, hey, can I come give a testimony? I'd say, yeah, Tim. Can we hang out afterwards? Can we throw football a couple of times? Uh, that'd be good. Or Tony Dungy or somebody like that. You know, I'd say, yeah, sure, come on in and share Jesus. I'm not saying that you never would, you know, you use something like that. But if everything is built around and some of you know what I'm talking about. That's, that is a tendency very much. I was going to say in today's world, but I guess it's always been that way. That you get this charismatic personality, and that's what people are drawn to. Or you get the show, and that's what people are drawn to. And, and that's not really what a lost world is looking for, is the best show. Okay? Um, now, let's, let's, let's talk about Paul here for a second. I wanted to show you this. I look to try to find a physical description of Paul. There's some things in Scripture that give us hints about him physically. But there actually is one in history, a physical description of Paul. You ready? All right. <laughs> he was a middling size. His hair was scanty. That's going to be my new phrase. It's getting a little scanty back here. Um, his legs were a little crooked. His knees were far apart. He had large eyes. And his eyebrows met. And his nose was somewhat long. Now that is something right there. Can I paraphrase? He was bald, bow-legged, and bug-eyed, plus throwing a unibrow and a big nose. Okay, <laughs> okay. the poor guy, you know, we used to say, man, he stayed single to minister for the Lord. That might not be the only reason he stayed single. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying you got to feel a little bit bad for Paul and every, everything with this description. Okay, so uh, what I'm saying is, is, see this contrast here again. Here we go. Here comes uh, Festus. All the ceremony, and he's dressed up, and he's made up, and Bernice is there, and they're dressed up, and all looking good. And then came Paul. <laughs> Drag him in. He's been in jail for a while here. Let's throw him in. And there, there's this bow-legged, bald, uh, big nose. Uh, I mean, poor guy, you know, he just, he just doesn't, doesn't have, a, have a shot. But it is, it is an idea of Scripture that we need to remember that God doesn't choose the impressive people to use. Okay. And you might be thinking, okay, you're talking about sharing Jesus today. I don't have a big platform. Very few people do, okay? So what I want you to think about is the platform that God has given you, the stage that God has given you. What people has God put in your life for you to love and share Jesus with? That's the question I really want you to think about. Where has God put me to love people and share Christ with? Okay? Not a one of us in here 
is going, wait a minute, I just got thinking, Ben, I'm sorry, I have to ask you, how, how many is the dog and the chicken up to? Or Dog and the rooster, 22 million? That's <laughs> ben has a rooster that chases his daughter's dog around some pallets, and they've got 22 million views. Now, that's fame right there. If you could figure out how to teach that, that rooster to talk and share Jesus, that'd be awesome. Uh, you're, he's working on it for video series two. None of us are going to, you know, explode like his rooster uh, and, and, and go crazy like that, and we understand that. But what we want to do is stop and ask ourselves, where's God put me? What is the platform that God has given me tomorrow, this afternoon, to share Jesus Christ and his love? Okay? Because people aren't drawn, they are, but not in a right way to that which is big and that which is glitzy. They are, but they're not going to find the answers they're looking for there. Paul was a very, very simple looking man, to say the least. Maybe somewhat below simple. Okay, now, so we've got two things that people are not looking for. They're not looking for, to be confused, and they're not looking for this pump. Ah, oh, I did it again. Pump. Pump. There we go. All right, now, as we go into chapter 26, you will see that what Paul is doing here again is telling his story. He starts off with the whole business of I used to persecute Christians. And then he goes, and then one day I'm walking down this road uh, to Damascus with letters to capture Christians. And this light shines, and Jesus talks to me, and I talk to Jesus, and I surrender. And then Ananias comes to my house, and the scales fell off. He tells the story. I'm sorry if you've never heard it before. I just ran through it. But we've actually gone through it several times because Paul keeps retelling that story. Okay, it's like, um, you know, I, I was thinking about this, been around here over seven years now, you're going to hear some repeat stories, I try to watch it, but you know, you just start telling a story and everybody, oh no, here we go again. That must have been what Paul's companions had been, had been like. Yeah, okay, here we go again. Yeah, we know. Damascus Road, there's the light. Everything goes. But that's what Paul would do is he'd share his testimony. Now, at the end of that, he says, but the Christ, okay, at the end of his testimony, he talks, he says, but the Christ, remember Christ is the word Messiah, suffered, and that by, okay, I skipped an important word there. He must suffer. I told you he must suffer. Jesus must suffer and die because that's the only way for man to know forgiveness is the fact that Jesus suffered and died. So he must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, uh, he, would be he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. So he said, he tells his story of what Jesus did in his life and, he, and, he, and then he says, you know, Jesus who had to die, that was the only way, he's the way, the truth, and the life. He made that way through his death on the cross. Jesus has died, and then, but then he rose again. I'm going to proclaim that. I'm going to say that again. And this is something that we see Paul do over and over and over. That's why I said this chapter is a little bit of a repeat. Here we go again. Paul's going to get that message out there. But I wanted to tell you that one of the things that are friends and loved ones that do not know Jesus is they need us to prepare and what I mean by that is Paul was ready every time over and over again here's my story here's what Jesus did in my life and he knew the truth of God's word okay it is very important that we be ready to the Bible says we ought to be able to get be ready to give an answer to every man for the hope that lies in us okay we're supposed to have an answer for what for what for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ Okay, I'm supposed to explain to them why Jesus has made a difference in my life, okay? Why I care, why it's a big deal. I should be able to. I want to encourage you today, and this might sound weird, but what else is new, right? Uh, but I want to encourage you to actually practice giving your testimony. 
I encourage the small groups to write out in three sentences, but I would encourage you to even write out in more just how you came to know Jesus. Hey, here's how God brought me to a place where I realized that I recognized that I needed a Savior. We're singing today about, you know, when you brought me down to the place, but that's what brought me close to God. Maybe that's your story. All of us are going to have a different story, okay? But, but you have a story that God has given you, and I would, I would be ready to share it. Okay, and if that sounds corny, maybe, you know, they used to say, go home and practice in the mirror. Well, you don't need to do that now. You can take your phone and record yourself and analyze it. But I would, I would practice sharing the story of what Jesus Christ has done in your life so that you are ready to share that. Okay, don't, like, don't look at me like that. I'm serious. Okay, you're looking at me like, huh? What? I mean, really, I want, we ought to be ready. We ought to be ready with that testimony like Paul was. This is what happened. He said, people will get tired of hearing the same thing. First of all, it's probably a new group. Secondly, it doesn't matter. Paul kept repeating it. You keep repeating it too. This is what happened in my life. If I started to tell you about the time uh, when my brother began to share Jesus Christ with us, and we didn't know what was going on, and we started to look for a church, you'd say, man, I heard this story before. But that's my story. That's my story. And I finally got to the place where I realized that I needed a Savior. And it was one night I was alone. Sorry, I'm retelling the story. I can't help myself. I was alone in a, in a, in a room. I was sleeping out in the family room because my brother was over with his family and had company, and I was sleeping out there, and I knew I needed a Savior. And I got down beside this chaise lounge cot that I was sleeping on, and I said, Jesus, I don't really understand exactly what I'm doing, but I know I need you. Cried out. That's my story. Okay, what's your story? Would you practice it, go through it? And the other part of that preparation that I hope you'll do is also... Be ready to share the gospel truth from the Bible. A uh, little help with you, for you there. And again, this is so easy now. Go to YouTube or whatever like that. Find a presentation of the gospel. Okay? You might, fight, you might like to use the one that people use called Romans Road. They go through some verses in Romans that share the need for salvation, the provision of salvation in Jesus Christ, the way of salvation. Okay, you might want to do the one that's called the bridge illustration. You know, where the idea that the man is separated from God by sin, but Jesus has, has bridged that gap. Those are things you can find online easily. But I want to encourage you to practice this, to prepare for this. You say, you've been in a situation, okay, come on. You've been in situations and you thought, I wish I knew what to say. Well, learn what to say. Okay, I don't know how else to say it. Let's learn what to say so that we are ready to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was prepared and very well, and we should be also. Okay, one more thing. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time you will persuade me to be a Christian. I'm going to stop with that for a second because some of you that have been around this, you, have, you remember this a different way. Okay, you remember this from the King James. Agrippa said, anybody want to get, tell me what's the next word? Almost, okay? Some of, you, some of you know this. But it's almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. That's a, that's a verse uh, from, the, from the King James. Almost. And um, there's actually a song. Uh, Philip Bliss wrote a song called Almost Persuaded. We sang that around here. I'm that close to being Christian. Truth is, that, that's a great concept. And, and, uh, but truth is, that's not where this text went. The, the ESV, I think, as you study it, uh, explains what he said a little bit better. He wasn't really saying, I'm this close to becoming a Christian. What he was saying is more like this. In a short time, do you think you could have persuaded me in a short time? Okay. You just talk to me for a few minutes. You think all of a sudden I'm going to become a Christian? That's really more what he was saying. Okay. No, that's not fighting point. Let's not, don't jump me in the parking lot over that one. But that's really, I think, what he was saying there. And you see that in the response. And Paul said, and, and don't miss this, okay? If, you, if, you, if I've lost it, I'll come back right now. You don't want to miss this, this, this what Paul said. 
Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but all who hear me this day might become such as I am. Okay, here's what he said. I want you to have what I have. Whether it takes a long time or a short time, I don't care. I know what it's like to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know what it's like to have eternal security. I know what it's like to walk with him through this difficult time. I know all these things, except for the fact that I'm in chains. I don't really wish that for you. Uh, but everything else, I want you to have what I have. And that's, that's what I hope we'll take away. I hope we'll become more passionate today about what people need simply for us to do is share. Uh, Francis, I went down to see my daughter down in Westfield on uh, Friday. And we found, first of all, we found the best, what we get kind of emotional about food, the best donut shop in the world. It was good, wasn't it? Fran Francis will testify, draw you a map later. Uh, it was called Titus Donuts. There's only one other one of them. I don't know, have you ever been there? Okay, it was good. I mean, I don't know if it's a new thing starting out. I'm sorry, but it was better than Jack's. Uh, it, was, it was better than Krispy Kreme. It was, it was really good. Uh, they have this specialty donut that beat this not out of rise and roll. I'm just saying don't throw things. Uh, I'm just saying it was good. And, uh, but it's kind of funny. You know, we're, we're already like everybody we see. Hey, there's a donut stop. You've got to stop at it. <laughs> You know, you, you've got to. She has a favorite barbecue place in Chicago. Uh, she's always telling people, you got to go there. We, we have a tendency to build things up a little bit too much sometimes. You know, we get excited about things. You know, I, I get that way about that pizza place over in Elkhart. That, what is it, Antonio's? Oh, the Italian stallion. It ch changes your life, I'm telling you. It's a good pizza. Uh, it, it's good stuff. Oh, and then we went, yeah, this is weird too. We went to a pumpkin patch. Now, I've never been excited about a pumpkin patch before in my life. I have never seen anything like this. It was the biggest and had all these most beautiful pumpkins in the world. But we are. We're sharing it with people. It's like, you know, Francis is like, I need to tell Paula she can go to that pumpkin patch when she's down in Indy. Uh, you know, we, sorry, I didn't mean to make fun of my wife. She doesn't really talk like that. But, uh, but you know what I mean? We have to share. You know, this is great. We've got something. We, we've got to let everybody else know. This is incredible. This is, you know, this is wonderful. I've got, I got to tell them. Okay, that's how Paul was. <laughs> it wasn't about food. It uh, wasn't about his uh, house or anything like that. He was just saying, hey, you know what? I have something in the person of Jesus Christ. And I not only want you to know about it, uh, Festus and Agrippa, you got you boys. I don't only want, or Agrippa at this point, he said, I don't, I don't want you to know. Everybody who hears me, I want them to have it too. And that's really the message that we're communicating. This is... Jesus, who has given me purpose. This Jesus, who has given me assurance of eternity. This Jesus, there's no one else like him. I just want you to have him, too. You're my friend. I care about you. You're my neighbor. I care about you. You're my family member. I care about you. I want you to have what we have here. And the heart of God is so much that you would have this forgiveness that is offered only in the person of Jesus Christ. The heart of God is that you would have this relationship that we can be, that we can have with God through the person of Jesus Christ. The heart of God is that you would have assurance of eternity. So that, you know, what I said before about, uh, you know, hey, the world's not coming to an end, but if it does, there's another one. Okay, I want you to have that. I want you to know as you go through things right now that God's, God's, God hasn't lost control of anything, okay? And this world is not our, our final home. That's where we have a hope beyond this life. I want you to know that. Okay? I don't want you to navigate. Oh, no, but what if this happens? Okay? God's got it. I know him. I know who he is. I want you to have that. And that's so much what Paul was, Paul was saying there. Hey, I want you to have this. So how great is it that when we gather together, 
we can celebrate who he is. We can point to him. How great is it that we can sh show folks that uh, is it, I, I have really, now, I, you know me, I, I love worship time. I get, I get a little spastic sometimes. The last few weeks, I have really loved worship time. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of like I missed it a lot. And, you know, when we get together and sing his praise, I was like, man, this is great that we can do this, that we can lift him up, that we can exalt him. Uh, man, this, this is so wonderful that we can do that. I get so passionate about it. You might remember a few weeks ago, and we normally uh, do communion once a month. We're going to speed up a little bit this week. Uh, because I got thinking about this. One of the things that we learned as we studied communion, and we took a whole week and devoted towards communion, partly because I like it to be kind of a big deal, and it's a little bit harder now. You know, we didn't want everybody lined up, and we didn't want to pass the plates. So, so you have a little cup sitting at the end of your uh, row there. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, it's one of those procedural things. But I wanted to make a big deal, so we took the whole week and just talked about communion. But one of the things we learned in there is when Paul talked about it in, in 1 Corinthians, he said, when you do this, as often as you do this, you proclaim the death of Jesus Christ till I come. We're proclaiming. And I thought, you know, let's do that today. It, now, I want to explain the, the, if you want to say the policy or the thing around here. Um, that's what we're doing. We're going to take in a minute here, and, and let me go through the, uh, the physical description of this. There's a real thin layer on top. You peel that off, and then there's a wafer, and then you peel below, and you have the juice. But um, this is not limited to members of our church. This is, however, I think, according to the Bible, limited to those who believe, because you're proclaiming, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe we're going to, this body, I'm sorry, this wafer represents his body. It's a body that he came to earth to live a perfect life in and then lay down that body. Okay, that's what it represents. I believe that Je I'm saying when I do this, I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, laid down that life for me. And then we take the juice, which is a representation of his blood, which outside the body is a picture of death. It is, I'm proclaiming his death, that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that he took the penalty of my sin on him. Okay, so what I'm doing when I take those, those two things, and if that is your belief, I invite you to join with us. If you would rather not for any reason, and I say this every time, this is so important. For, for any reason, you're like, I'm not real comfortable, please don't feel awkward at all. Please don't feel awkward just w watching others or stuff like that. You know, we normally have a little music going, and we line up and make a little bit bigger like that. Here you're just like that. We're going to do that, and then when we're done, Adam's going to come back up, and we're going to sing the, the rattle song again. We're going to go out of here saying, making dead man walk again. I'm kind of like that. Uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm weird. Okay, uh, but, that, but that's okay. But uh, so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Bible says that he took the bread and gathers with his disciples. He broke it. And he distributed and he said, this, this bread is my body. Again, the body that God came and indwelled, lived a perfect life in that body and laid it down. He said, this bread is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Afterwards, and we pointed out last time that uh, there was a separation time because between the bread and the and the juice because it is you know two really distinct things the body that was broken and the life also that was just poured out as a sacrifice for sin but jesus after supper it says he took the cup and when he blessed it he said this cup is the new covenant the new covenant 
Got a new deal, and it's a covenant, not a contract, not anything like that. It is a covenant. God will never break. But this represents that new covenant that is only secured through Jesus Christ. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Adam's going to come back up and get ready to get me singing again. And you too. Father, um, we, this passion that Paul had, he looked at his life and said, I want other people to have this. I understand it, Lord, just talking personally here. Lord, I understand it when it comes to my kids. I understand it when it comes to those I'm close to and I love. I want them more than anything to know you. I want them to know what it's like to walk with you, to have a family that's shepherd in your direction. I want them to know that. Lord, sometimes, now, Lord, too often my passion for other people is just not the same. God, would you ignite that passion in us this day? that those who do not know you, that face the uncertainties of this life without you, Lord, could we become more passionate? Would you convict us in that way? You bring us to a place where we share what Paul wanted to do, and that is uh, just desiring that everybody would have the same Jesus that he has. Lord, we celebrate you today. We lift you up, and we want to do that now, even as we sing about the grave opening up, about the dead man walking again. Uh, we praise you. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.